0: The Disagreement by Nick Taylor Narrated by William Dufresne Copyright two thousand eight by Nick Taylor This unabridged audiobook is published by arrangement with Simon and Schuster Incorporated, and was produced in the year two thousand eight by Tantor Media Incorporated, which holds the copyright thereto. For the entertainment of my children and grandchildren, the tutelage of the next generation of Southern physicians, and the simple gratification of the curious, I have set down here an account of my life. In so doing, I find that I have dwelt chiefly on my student years at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville during our late war. Though it has become the fashion in recent times for professional men to sketch their lives for public consumption, It remains uncommon to elaborate upon one's school years. Rather, the focus is laid, naturally, on the details of a man's profession. I should argue that my case is unique. For me, the pedagogic and professional experiences existed simultaneously. Thus, I aim to describe both together herein. John A. Muro, M.D., Lynchburg, Virginia, September 1, 1895 PART ONE CHAPTER ONE On April 17, 1861, I enjoyed the sensation of one whose birthday falls on Christmas. I woke unusually early, along with everyone in the Commonwealth of Virginia. That day our legislature was to vote on secession— a crisis that had begun as a whisper among gossipmongers not a year prior but had grown with the frenzy of a revival into a statewide obsession the newspapers had for weeks detailed the debate in richmond from the rhetorical thrusts and parries at the state house to the curt and somber replies of mr lincoln whose anointment the previous autumn so inflamed the passions of our men As a youth of fifteen, I had not been involved substantially in the secession crisis, but I enjoyed the high drama of the proceedings, and I followed them with a greedy eye. Earlier that spring my father had hosted a meal for our delegate and a dozen men of business. The ostensible purpose of the gathering had been to gauge local support for secession, but these being men of practical appetites, the talk soon turned to the prospect of war and the demands this might place on our local mills and factories. "'If there is any fighting,' the pompous delegate announced, "'it shan't continue long enough to bring any lucre hereabouts, fellows. "'The Yanks know our purpose, and they know our differences.' and they will respect our intentions sooner or later. The thought in Richmond, I must tell you, is that they will be too blanched to fight. The men laughed and clapped one another on the back. This I observed from the sanctuary of our kitchen, where I had finished helping Mother and Peg with the service and was eating my share at the kitchen table. The delegate, his name was Coggin, was distinguished by a pair of unruly snow-white eyebrows that sprung from his face like owl feathers. He was a consummate politician, which is to say he was given to expedient speech and lacked even a vestigial spine. The telegraph from Mr. Coggin, who was in Richmond for the vote, arrived at the Lynchburg post office just after one o'clock. i had spent the morning in the square, pitching horseshoes with some other boys from school, Though it was a Wednesday, we had not shown our faces at school, feeling assured that a special circumstance excused us from truancy. The taverns along the square were packed with a rare noonday crowd. Like me, these citizens could not bear to wait any longer for the news than was absolutely necessary. However, decorum mandated that these men not be seen loitering with boys in the street— so they made pretenses at business and meal-taking. The tavern doors could almost be seen to bulge with the swell. At the doors of the town-stable, across the square from the post-office, a circle of five or six negroes gathered in idle chatter. As Wednesday was seldom a slave's day at liberty, I assumed that these had been sent by their masters to await the news and carry it back post-haste. Indeed, the animals in the first stalls were ready in saddle, with reins tied quickly to the rail. Just after the one o'clock bell, the post office door swung open and the postmaster...